0: Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is episode number 783. This is Monday. June 24th. Today, I'm going to air the second part of my interview with Dr. Duke Pesta. Dr. Duke has an incredible uh, story and amazing insight into what's happening in the culture today, particularly as it relates to the education of our children, both in elementary school, high school, and also higher learning. You guys are going to get quite an education today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, well, welcome to the show today. Uh, I'm excited to have Dr. Duke back with me today. Before I get going with that interview, I wanna let you guys know a couple of things that are coming up. First of all, I'm gonna be starting an essential oils class and we do this about twice a year. This is a great time of year to do it. So we're gonna start that on Tuesday, the 25th. So it's gonna start tomorrow and we're calling this, really it's it's an introduction into oils, but it's more than that because what we wanna do is help you use them every day. So we're calling it Using Essential oils in everyday life, what we use, why we use it and how we do it safely. So this will start on the 25th of June and go through the 1st of July. Class size is limited. So uh, this time we're going to be giving preference to people who've never joined us and uh, are not uh, familiar with oils and how we use them. And if you want more information on it, you can go to thebusymom.com forward slash oils. We're going to talk about how to use oils with our little people, the importance of support and education, um, how we can budget for high quality oils and why it's good for us to have options to care for our health. Listen, I've been using essential oils for 10 years. They're a huge part of how my family takes care of ourselves and all of our people. So I hope you guys will tune into that June 25th through July 1st. Find out more information today at thebusymom.com. Forward slash oils. All right, we're going to jump right into part two of my interview with Dr. Duke Pesta. I hope you guys are blessed and encouraged. I firmly believe that the radical left, the progressives in this nation and frankly around the world, uh, they are counting on and depending on our silence. They need our silence. They need us to feel bullied. They need us to be quiet. They need us not to show up and vote. They need us to keep our kids in the schools. And I've been telling these parents listen, if if, you know, Billy Graham said, when one man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. And I think that's a large part of the reason why I do what I do. I'm sure it's a large part of the reason why you do what you do. But parents need to understand if you will take a stand and say, I refuse to be bullied by these cultural uh, Marxists any farther, uh, then they will actually have an impact in what's happening around them. Do you think that's true?
1: I think it is true. And I think it's also completely consonant with our faith. If as Christians living in the world, we are not witnessing to what is greater than the world. If we are conforming to the world, that seems to me to be the single biggest argument Christ made against the Pharisees and against the sinful of his own age. Right. Don't do not live for the world. Uh, um, Things like transgenderism, radical sexualities, uh, the sexualization of our kids in general. Uh we're not no we're no longer in the schools teaching kids the simple biology of sperm and egg. We're teaching them sexual tactics, sexual procedures. We're we're teaching them how to engage sexually with all sorts of different kinds of people and genders. This kind of stuff right here is making our kids overtly creatures of this world. And when we pull our kids mm-hmm. out for the protection, when we as Christians stand up and say, Look, we are called not to live in the world this way. We are that <laughs> I can't think of any way you can define our Christianity. I don't think of any way you can take the Gospels and explain them by omitting the fact that if we as Christians don't stand up against the world, then we can't be called Christians.
0: No, that's exactly right. I want to touch on a couple more things, uh, really quickly in the, in the few minutes we have left. First thing is I have been noticing for the last couple of years now it started very quietly, but now it's gaining speed and it's, uh, it's actually right out there, uh, is this idea that you, what you just touched on that we are sexualizing children. And what I'm noticing recently are hints of pedophilia. And it's, and someone said to me that the other day, oh, that's not right. They would never do that. Uh, wrong. That's exactly what's happening. And it's you know, we are going back to uh, the days of the Romans when this was rampant in in Roman culture and in Greek ideology. And I'm wondering what do you, if you see this happening, this sort of phenomenon happening, and what is it that parents need to be aware of to protect their children?
1: Absolutely, it's happening. In fact, there's a, a major pedophiliac organization that has petitioned the LGBTQ community to add the word P for pedophile to the long list of protected alternatives of sexualities, right? So in other words, pedophiles are already rallying to get themselves to be considered like homosexuals are, gays and lesbians are, now transgenders are. They want to add that to the list. And it's not just pedophilia, polyamory, right? The idea that once we decided, once as a culture we decided that marriage is not a unique institution between a man and a woman primarily for the propagation of children. When we decided that, that 2,500-year-old definition, when we did away with that, it opened a can of worms. Because, okay, if two women can marry and two men can marry, and that's all legal now, then why can't three men marry three other men? And there's no real logical answer to stop it. We've divorced marriage from morality, right? And so that begs the question, if we've divorced marriage and sexual relationships from morality and ethics... (laughs) As we've done, then why can't why can't human beings sleep with animals? Uh, bestiality laws across the country are beginning to go away, and then you met, we mentioned polyamory. The, there's already HBO's doing TV shows about families, the non-traditional family, right? Three moms married to one husband. Uh, you're right; it's going back to the Roman days and even before that. And now pedophilia, and there is re- already a movement in this country to make the argument: if we're look, if we're sexualizing kids we are teaching radical forms of sexual behavior to children as young as late elementary and middle school. And we are doing that comprehensively across this country. We are introducing really adult sexual topics to kids. Then we've already sexualized the nine-year-old, the 11-year-old. And if that's what we've done in the public schools, then how can we turn around and say that that nine-year-old, that 11-year-old doesn't have a right to choose to sleep with somebody who's in their 30s or 40s? See how that works? If We've decided that children are sexual agents with sexual autonomy in middle school. We then can't turn around and be upset when your middle schooler has a consensual, quote unquote, sexual relationship with a 40 year old. That's the logic of progressivism. From their perspective, it makes perfect sense. But as you and I know, it is completely immoral but they've divorced morality and sex in the schools. That's how, just like they've divorced science from gender in the schools.
0: That's amazing. I know that there are a lot of parents who are listening to this right now and you start to feel overwhelmed, right? You and I have just talked about really just in a nutshell, what's happening in the culture. Um, And we've talked a little bit about cultural Marxism. Can you define, uh, give parents who are listening who've maybe never heard of that term before, they maybe have never even heard of Marxism. When we say cultural Marxism, what do we mean?
1: We mean those founding ideals of what has become broad-scale socialism. Back in the mid-19th century, 1855 to 1859, Karl Marx wrote Das Kapital. uh, And Marx, he was not really an economist. His, His economic ideas have failed. He was a social engineer. And one of the primary, the first thing of socialism you need to know is that it doesn't believe in God, that religion is the opiate of the people. The argument of the socialists, whether they're talking communists or Bolsheviks or fascists or Nazis, the Nazis, too, were socialists. The National Socialist German Workers Party. All these fascist movements have in one thing in common. They are first and foremost godless. And so socialism, as the great Russian writer Dostoevsky once said, socialism is the question of atheism in the modern world. All atheist movements ultimately are socialistic as they've played out in modern culture. And so cultural Marxism, social justice, these are just the application of socialist principles. There is no God that that the whole world is predicated on capital. Who has and who has not? It's pure materialism. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There's no soul. There's ultimately no justice then. Uh, the state then, uh, in all socialist movements, the state It assumes the role of religion and God and begins to take on more and more responsibility uh, for the individuals who they govern. The collective takes precedence over individuality. All of these things, culture, Marxism, social justice, liberation, theology, all they are, are the application of basic socialist thinking to culture and using government to enforce that socialistic culture. And so uh, social justice education, as we see it in the public schools. We started the hour off by talking about this. Your kid is no longer an individual in the public schools. Your kid is part of the collective, which means if he's really gifted, he's artificially held down. If he is really poor at school, he is artificially promoted because every kid is the same kid. No kid is allowed to do better or worse than any other kid. So the low-performing kids, they get socially promoted even though they can't read and write. The high-performing kids who could be doing ninth and 10th grade reading and math in 4th grade, they're artificially held down because all kids have to be the same kid in a godless... And think about the degree to which we've chased God from the schools, chased prayer. What kind of a culture is it? Where to say the Pledge of Allegiance or to say a little prayer before you eat your lunch at lunchtime in the public schools can get you in trouble. When teaching third and fourth graders about radical kinds of sexual behavior is considered not only normal, but necessary.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so when parents contact me, which they do often, and they say, well, I'm, I'm not that concerned about socialism. I kind of get it. It's It seems like a good idea, right? We want to lift people up. and want to help people. You're saying, shout it from the rooftops, that's actually not what's going on, right?
1: What I'm saying is look at history. This is not like socialism is some brand new idea that really shiny people like Alexandria Cortez has just decided to invent. No, we have a 150 year history of it. And it is the most murderous idea in the last 200 years in human civilizations, anywhere between 120 and 150 million dead in the name of socialist experimentation. Uh, again, I remind you, I mean, all those moms and dads who look you in the eye and say, well, maybe socialism isn't all that bad, or maybe we could adopt part of it. I would just remind you of what you should have learned in your history class. The Nazis, all Americans still have been taught to hate the Nazis. Hate the Nazis, you should. But Nazi stands for National Socialist German Workers Party. Nazism is a form of socialism, Bolshevism, communism, Marxism. The so-called democratic socialism that Bernie Sanders is preaching now and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is preaching now is the same thing. Government has the rights you don't. Government decides what you will and won't get. You don't earn a paycheck. The government allows you to make money and it will decide how much of it you get to keep, right? You don't, the, the, the idea that you're gonna have autonomy and individuality, The the antidote, the antidote to socialism is the constitution, which was created by wise yeah. men who understood that the government works for us. We don't work for the government. Right, that the individual liberty and human rights were the premise of what the founding fathers were trying to put together. It, it, why is this going on in America today? It's because we're the last vestige of a society that sees the individual as the founding block of civilization, not the collective, which is why the socialists and the social Marxists and the radical progressives are coming so hard for our institutions. Once we lose our ability to recognize individual liberty. By the way, individual liberty that's anchored in the Bible. Christ came to save individuals. I I tell my university students this all the time. Christ is the single greatest defender of the individual in all of human history. No one, no one, whether you believe he's the son of, of God or not, no figure in human history dedicated his life, lived and died more spectacularly. For the rights and the salvation of individuals. When he heals throughout the four gospels, he never gets 50,000 people together who are sick and stands on a platform and kind of like I dream of Genie, right? Bobs his head and they're all healed. He puts his hand on the sick people. He touches the lepers. He puts his fingers in the ear of the deaf. He spits on the ground and makes mud to wipe the mud in the eyes of a, a blind man. This is the individualistic foundation of Western culture. This is the model that the founding fathers used to promote individual liberty. And it is exactly what the progressives are coming for in the name of collectivism and atheism.
0: That's exactly right. I am so glad to hear you describe it that way. And speaking of uh, what's what's happening and who's coming for who, uh, another thing that I want to just touch on very quickly with you, because nobody knows this topic better than you do, is what is happening right now in our colleges and universities. Because oftentimes parents, you know, we get our kids uh, to uh, out of high school, right? They're a junior, a senior in high school. And we start looking at colleges. And I've been saying for a long time now, parents wake up. It matters where you send your kids to college. You can't just check out and say, well, that, seems like, that sounds like a good college. Oh, here, I'll send my kid to this Ivy League school or that amazing school or University of Southern California, Berkeley, or wherever it is. What is happening on college campuses right now in the universities? And should parents be concerned about sending their kids off to college?
1: Goodness, goodness. Heidi, you've given me a an hour-long question in a couple of minutes. I hope you'll consider having me back sometime <laughs> down the road. We'll just do a whole show on colleges. I will. I'll give you a couple of statements, I will. number one. The same bug has infected universities. And as a matter of fact, before your public schools were taken over by the social justice warriors, the colleges were taken over. Let's not forget, who is it that trains every public school teacher in this country? It is the big public universities, right? So Christian kids go to big public universities. They become education majors where they learn that God has no place in the classroom, that uh, they learn socialist Marxist values. They learn collectivism. That's the problem. So the universities are are what turns out the kind of individuals who have taken over our public schools. I'll say this. The universities are now not operating on the premise of excellence. It used to be that college, college was a, a, a benchmark, right? Only the best and brightest went to college. Only those who had the intellectual gifts and the personal determination to succeed would be able to go. But your universities about 20 years ago, they jettisoned that. They're no longer primarily places of academic achievement. They are places of social justice inclusion. The purpose of universities now is to let everybody go, whether they want to go or not, to let everybody go, whether they're qualified to go or not. Uh, and, and it helps that the federal government is handing out the federal student loans, right? So kids who aren't qualified to go will get hundreds of thousands of dollars from the federal government to go any, to go anyway, right? And so your universities are bringing people to campus knowingly who can't do college level work. But rather than having those kids fail out because that would be socially unjust too, we're lowering our academic standards as university professors down to the kids that are coming to us. So again, like in the public schools, a college education is no longer an education that is vastly superior to a high school education. In fact, I really believe that a college education today, co- most college graduates know exactly what a high school graduate would have learned in 1970. About 40% of my college kids at the University of Wisconsin, about four out of 10 of them in every semester, they just shouldn't be there. They either f- intellectually are not capable of doing the work or their attitudes are so bad that they won't do the work. And that's 40%. And so uh, what do we do at the university? We, we, we can't cater to the top 10% we have to make sure that that lowest 40 doesn't fail out. If we fail out the lowest 40, that's 40% of dorm rooms that we don't make money off of, 40% of meal plans that we don't sell, 40% 40 of parking passes that we're not charging these kids for. And so we, like the public schools now, have decided that in the name of justice, everybody should go to college whether they qualified or not, we're gonna take them. And once they're there, we're gonna socially promote them at the expense of those kids who could really do top level college work.
0: That is exactly right. It's terrifying. It really is. Uh, in the couple of minutes I have you here, I want to just encourage parents. Let's. I want to point them in the right direction. So rather than have them, you know, I don't want people to leave this this show and feel overwhelmed and just be like, you know, I'm gonna throw my hands up in the air. The world's on fire. <laughs> you know, I give up. How can you encourage parents? Uh, so one of, my, one of the biggest things I do here is to try to get people off the bench and onto the battlefield. I've been telling parents for a long time, hey, get off the sidelines, get onto the front lines, get out there. I loved what you said. First thing you want to do is focus on our own families, uh, make sure that we have shored up our own child. So we want to put oxygen on our kid before we put it on the person that's sitting next to them, right? And so what is what are some things that parents can do to make a difference to get off the sidelines and onto the front lines?
1: And you've got to start there, right? You got to start with your kids, and not just your kids, but then your family's kids, your sister's kids, your brother-in-law's kids. You know, Work on what you can work on locally. Uh, uh, faith begins locally, start there. But what I mean by that is, uh, even in a corrupt public school system, you can take some time every evening to correct what's going wrong. The better step, like I said, than to always play defense, your kid brings home garbage, you spend an hour counteracting the garbage. What if you were able to take those kids out of the public schools and ideally educate them at home? And then you would be playing offense all the time and there would be nothing to defend against. That's a better solution. And as far as universities go, if you, if you give your kid a real education as opposed to a collectivist education they get in the public schools, by the time your kid goes to college, he or she will be able to do higher level work, can gravitate to higher level majors, can pick those teachers who are going to challenge her rather than pander to her. If we give these kids an education while they're living in the house with us, that allows them to compete, that allows them to create their own wealth so they don't have to turn to government for handouts, that allows young kids to feed their own families one day, they'll be less likely to sign on for the big socialist revolution. So start local, make sure you give your kids the best possible education. That's very hard to do if you're keeping them in the public schools. Find a really good Christian school or better yet, educate them at home.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. And then do you encourage parents to get involved politically? One of the things that I've noticed a phenomenon growing up was my, you know, my family told me we were Christians growing up, right? But there's two things you don't talk about at Thanksgiving. We don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion. When you talk to them, are you encouraging them to get out there and vote, understand what's happening and let your voice be heard?
1: Absolutely. Christians, I'm not even sure how many Christians have realized how Christianity is being forced to the sidelines. Uh, without parents having to volunteer. A lot of parents, like you said, are walking off the field. We're not going to engage the culture. We're going to be uh, little, little uh, bastions of salt and light in our local places, but we're not going to en- engage the broader culture. We've got to recognize that sooner or later, if we, we allow Christian voices to be shamed, silenced, and marginalized from the, the greater discourse, then the hatred's just going to get worse. The legislation uh, outlawing aspects of Christianity, the, the compromising of our churches is going to get worse you got to speak up and you got to speak out. So absolutely. And that doesn't mean you have to enter politics. It means you can write your politicians. It doesn't mean you have to become a school board member yourself necessarily. But certainly make sure you attend school board meetings to find out what's going on so they're not sneaking things through as they often do in the school boards without anybody knowing what they're putting in. Uh, Most of the sexuality that's in your kids' schools was put in by school board members and school administrators without anybody having any idea it was there. So now moms and dads are being asked to fight things that were never ran past them to begin with, that are already established in the schools, which makes it much harder to get it out than to stop things, stop bad things from getting in your your kids' schools to begin with. That's easier to do, but it requires a little effort on your part.
0: That's exactly right. And like I said earlier, the, the progressives, the people who are doing this, they're passing this comprehensive sex education nonsense in the middle of the night. Uh, they literally depend on our silence. They depend on us being quiet. They depend on the fact that we won't show up to school board meetings. They depend on the fact that we won't vote. And we have got to do a better job. At engaging, I love your heart and uh, I love what you're doing. I want to take just the last minute that we have here and let listeners know where they can find you. Where's the best place for uh, listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast to follow you online? Since you have a wonderful
1: podcasting audience, I would say please, please, please consider following the Dr. Duke Show. You can find it at drdukeshow.com drdukeshow.com that will give you the, the homepage but you can download it anywhere it's absolutely free of charge won't cost you anything please consider downloading it, loading it once a week for an hour you're going to get an hour like this where we're taking headlines right from the news everything from pre-kindergarten all the way to graduate school at universities we're giving you the top stories and we're giving you really in-depth commentary on what's going on who's behind it and what we can do to combat it look Abraham Lincoln said the, the, the philosophy of government in one generation is the philosophy of the schoolhouse, right? The philosophy of the schoolhouse in just one generation, that changes our entire culture in the next generation. There is no bigger issue in this country right now than education. We can, uh, as adults and Christians, we can vote any way we want, but our kids are being trained to vote and think in exactly the opposite way. So if you want to keep up with going on in education and understand where we are Uh, Follow the Dr. Duke show and and we'll give you that information and keep listening to Heidi.
0: And you also have an awesome uh, thing called the Freedom Project Academy. And this is an online school, right, that gives uh, live classroom instruction. But what you're really doing is teaching students how to think, not what to think. Where can parents find out how to enroll their kids in the Freedom Project Academy?
1: FPE usa.org fpeusa.org we are a complete christian online homeschool so in other words we can homeschool your kid in your house for you we bring live teachers through the computer into your living room with real scheduled class times our teachers do the grading the assignments we do all the uh, the uh, the, uh, the making sure that the assignments are correct so you can homeschool your kid at home and let our live teachers do it. And you can oversee it if you don't feel like you're right now ready to give your kid a complete homeschool education yourself.
0: That is awesome. I really love it. I am so grateful that you've come on today. Your wisdom is invaluable. Your experience is next to, you know, hardly anybody I ever even talked to because you've been in the schools and in universities for so long. Thank you so much for your passion to educate parents about what's happening in the culture and to help them get off the bench and onto the battlefield. It's been a joy to have you.
1: Thanks for having me. I hope to talk again sometime.
0: For more information on Dr. Duke and his amazing uh, podcast, you can visit uh, drdukeshow.com to watch the show and subscribe. I will link back to all things Dr. Duke Pesta in the show notes today. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you back here in just a couple of days. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.